0: Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Boddy. This is episode 15, Cecily O'Neill, The Process of Drama, Act 2, recorded June 16, 2018, in New York City.
1: Let's start it up
2: now. February 14th marks the one-year anniversary of the school shooting in Parkland. In just one year, these young people's lives, the survivors living with trauma, will never be the same. I think about how brave and fervent their responses are, like organizing March for Their Lives, and encouraging other young people to get civically engaged. But I also think about how there are sophomores who, after experiencing this as, sh- as freshmen, have returned to school, the same school, long after the cameras have gone and the conversation has shifted to the, pol- to the political platform. They're dealing with just being teens and forever changed. This also makes me think about how there are black and brown kids across this nation who live with gun violence on a daily basis. It makes me think about radical healing practices that we've heard about from Dr. Sean Ginwright and how we can learn to apply them to a school environment and in a community. It also brings you back to the notion of a national emergency and how maybe this is the one that we should be calling. According to every town for gun safety, every day a hundred Americans are killed with guns, and hundreds hundreds more are shot and injured. You know the effects of gun violence extend far beyond the casualties gun violence shapes the lives of millions of Americans who witness it, know someone who was shot or live with the fear of the next shooting. I don't think that this is something that should be ignored. It has been. And honestly, I feel as though these students, these young people reaching out beyond their own socioeconomic landscape and bringing this message about gun violence and how in this country we have a serious issue. I don't think that it's wrong to own a gun. However, I don't think that it should be so easy that you can walk into a store and walk with nothing and walk out with a gun. I just don't think that that's you know, we have to take a test to get a license, just a permit, for example. I'm just saying, there's gotta be a better way. We could be looking at other countries that have really cracked down on this and found a way to make life better. I don't know much. I don't claim to know all the things, but I do feel that something is shifting in this country. I think the arts need to be at the like center of changing what that shifting looks like. I don't exactly know how, but I think that it's up to us as artists. Not because we're the only ones who can do anything. I think it's because it's what we do. And somehow we need some infrastructure to do it in an even more amplified way. Okay, that's my soapbox. I'll step down now. And now let's talk about Cecily. So in the second act, Cecily and I discuss more about the practical applications and uh, probably the implications of process drama. We also talk about diversity in the field And we get a little political. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) So here is episode 15, act two, Cecily O'Neill, The Process of Drama.
3: It reminds me of the, I think, perhaps the the finest, the finest classroom teacher I have ever observed, Uh, a woman called Sylvia Jackson, um, who uh, was some... uh, working in Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, where when I was at the Ohio State University, and um, uh, she came, uh, I, I'd, uh, I was invited to go and watch, listen to her students, uh, I think third graders, um, uh, deliver their poetry, and I was so struck by the quality mm. that I bullied her into coming to one of my classes, and within two weeks. All we did was listen to what Sylvia had just done in her classroom, because mm-hmm. she, she seized on drama as a, a resource, and the finest teaching I've ever seen was Sylvia doing it. And um, one of the most interesting, she would, she would start a, um, a, a process, and it, I wouldn't call it a drama problem. Drama would be central to it, but it would have every aspect of the curriculum in it. And, um, she was focusing on reading. So she took where the wild things are. Mm. She uh, said she was Max, and she wore a little badge saying Max. And her her kids, I think these were maybe 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 second or third graders, because their reading was the problem. So um, she said she was Max, and uh, she'd like to you know explain her story, which was, and she told them where the wild things are, and showed them the book and so on, and. Uh, she said that you know, in the years since she'd gone home, she'd been worried about them and wondering about the wild things, and she decided to go back. And she had gone back through the years and the days or whatever. And um, when she got there, to her astonishment, she saw all the wild things were sitting around, looking terribly sad, uh, because over the years she'd been writing them birthday cards and Christmas cards and so on and letters. And they were sitting around looking very sad and in the middle was this great heap of all the letters and and cards she'd sent them and she realized they couldn't read and the kids were very upset she said well you know what what you know is there any what advice would you give me how can i help these poor wild things and the children said you fetch them over here and we'll teach them you get them to come to our class so then she had the kids make these Enormous out of out of construction paper, wild things. I mean, they were some of them were about eight feet tall, <laughs> and um, she put them in. Pa- she paired the kids up: a competent reader, uh, not so competent, or fairly competent, mm-hmm. and they each made their wild thing, uh, and uh, they hung them up around the classroom, which was a sight to see, <laughs> and um, and they began to teach them to read, mm. and and the mark to me of her quality in in or her ability to to make this a serious uh, activity she got the local reading advisor Mm. to come in Mm. and help the children help the wild things and that to me is the mark of genius Uh, and that went on for about three months and eventually the wild things were not were not looking too good because they were falling to pieces Uh, and and also she needed to move on to something else Mm -hmm. so she said uh you know obviously they're you know, they're not looking well, you know, what, what, what's the matter? And they said, oh, it was the environment, it doesn't, so they had to wave them goodbye and send mm-hmm. them back to their island. Mm-hmm. Um, and reckon- with books, recommended book lists and all sorts. <laughs> but,
1: you know, she, yeah.
3: uh, and she's, uh, she has written about drama. It's not, I mean, she's, she has, um, she's a contributor to uh, Dream Seekers, the book uh, that uh, I, I did with Anita Manley. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's a very, very fine chapter in there. But um, the sad thing is that she passed away a couple of months ago rather suddenly, and uh, uh, she'll never be replaced. I mean, she she was she had won all sorts of teacher awards. She was the most modest, unassuming, gentle, beautiful person. So here's to you, Sylvia. You taught me a lot.
2: I love that. Yeah, I, I, you know, as you were talking, I was fully picturing the classroom and the kids and uh, I love you know sort of getting you know putting on getting on task and and that idea of collaboration that there's so much um social emotional focus that can be on that that taking a real issue and using theater as a way to help solve that issue or um address it in a way that actually is is not only specifically addressing it but actually is about making meaning um Something that I struggled with actually when I was going to school here was why? Why would we do this? Why would we do that? And what would be the next thing after the drama was over? Where 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 would it be? be And I never felt like I fully got the answer to that question (laughs) to be honest with you until I started having to do it in in the real world and so I got I got very excited as we were planning, you know, a year and a half ago for for this yes, upcoming year or more wonderful. about what could, you know what is the what is the issue? Okay, the issue is that these teachers don't all believe that they have the skills when they do have them they within have themselves. Them. One, two. This is curriculum that's not prescribed, but it is it is documents, yeah, yeah. and and we are trying to show them how the arts can actually help. Bring those units to life in a, in a um, uh, engaging and thoughtful way, and two and three or B I don't know where I am, but <laughs> but the idea of being able to use something that I can't, <laughs> but being able to impart that in yes. a in a very concrete manner was yeah. very exciting to, yeah. to me. And you know, and it's it's been tweaked over over the year. We'll we'll make sure that it's as uh, strong as strong as it can yeah. be. And as that um, work continues to evolve, we'll hopefully have more opportunity to actually try and do some of that work directly in the classrooms. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, you know, the other thing that I was thinking as you were talking, you're so eloquent in in, um, your storytelling uh, abilities, but um, I interviewed Edie Demas um, and she talked a lot about how how important this work is to her and and, and how she also sort of on her own was doing work that was related to, to drama but didn't have those skill set until she came to NYU and um, and then you were talking about, you know, Gavin being your mentor and have you had have you been a formal mentor to anybody? I feel like you're a mentor of mine, by the way, but yeah. but you know, it has I hasn't been like formalized, like where I didn't officially say it successfully yeah. <laughs> <laughs> being a mentor. But I feel like through working with you in various ways and our conversations and yeah. our lunches and it's felt like mentorship. Yes. Um well, I'm, feel I'm privileged. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you feel? Have you had? Um, you yes, know, you when I was
3: working in um, this would be in it's, the uh, mid seventies to mid eighties when I was working at the uh, Drama and Tape Centre as in London, and our brief was to um, do in-service training with teachers, and it was all completely free. Um, and we could work, it might be with the elementary or or um, uh, secondary kids, uh, sorry, teachers, um, but uh, we did evening class, classes in the evening, but also um, all the newly qualified teachers got a day off every week for um, in-service training and, you know, if they were teaching maths, they'd go there, or if they were doing drama, they'd come to us. And some of them arrived and uh, spent the first half hour in tears (laughs) about all the desperate things because London schools were tough places Mm. and I don't suppose they've gotten easier. But um, uh, so we would go into schools and support them, and um, I suppose, uh, you know, in many ways I, I was a mentor to those students, and then to the ones who did, uh, we ran a diploma course where people were with us for a longer time, mm-hmm. and uh, many of those, well certainly some of those people are still good friends as well as, you know, once they, they were already um, teachers, and many of them went on to become advisors mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, become important in the field too. So, um, and that that was very, that was very nice. I mean, it's, it's very satisfying to see people um, grow and develop and in fact i was here last week with uh, the play lucky petra and the director of that is a man called um, uh, called uh, tony graham and i first encountered him on this he was doing this course with me and he was a secondary school drama Mm -hmm. teacher and uh, um, so i went into his classroom and uh, saw him work and then sometimes I would work and he would observe. So we've known each other a long time and mm-hmm. uh, he then went on to become, uh, he, he um, moved sort of sideways into theatre and directing and became um, artistic director of the Unicorn mm-hmm. Theatre in London uh, and was there for a number of years and, um, and is now a freelance director. But, so that relationship has continued, and at the Unicorn, I was an education associate, um, artistic associate, so I um, was involved there as well, which was great fun. But uh, it's that kind of continued, may begin as a mentor, continue as a friend, Mm -hmm. develop as a colleague, Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. so it goes on through the years, which is uh, wonderful to end up here. You know, uh, working with him in the province is quite something. Yeah,
2: so let's talk about that. Actually, um, yes. just we're we're good on time. We're good. Uh, <laughs> we're good. Um, so, can you talk about the the new play series? And you 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 have mentioned so many names, which is great. And you're explaining who they are. But sometimes I don't know who they are, sure. and I, I mean, most people won't also, so I may pause <laughs> yes. you every once in a while if you name somebody. But um,
3: uh, what is the New Place series, and how? Uh, what is your role in, in the program? Okay, well, it's been, this is its 21st season, and it began uh, Lowell Swartzell, who was a professor here, uh, and had a great interest in theatre for young people, and was quite a scholar in the field of theatre history, oh. and um, published widely on it, and he began this program, uh, which involves uh, over three weeks um, each week a playwright brings a play in development Mm -hmm. they get a director they get a stage manager and they get student actors and they work all week uh, developing the play and they do a couple of performances on the weekend Uh, and then the play may go on to be um, developed and commissioned and performed elsewhere or it may um, end up on the shelf, or depending on what the playwright uh, does with it, or it may become a a sort of seed ground for another play very different, but which had its origin there. So I, in 2006, uh, I came as a writer with um, an adaptation of mine of a a play by Lady Gregory, who was one of the founders of the Abbey Theatre in Dublin, Mm. uh, a, a play called The Golden Apple, and I had a wonderful week working on it uh, at the province town and um, uh, and then the following year I was asked if I'd come and be um, a dramaturg on one of the shows mm-hmm. or maybe two of the shows and then since then I've been asked every year to come back mm-hmm. as resident dramaturg mm-hmm. <coughs> so um, and it's been a wonderful learning process also as you see mm-hmm. writers uh, struggling with the material or uh, and, and, and watching a play sort of um, grow out of maybe small beginnings. Yeah. Um, it works l- less well when um, it arrives called, in a completed form uh, and yeah. they're just having a week's rehearsal and nothing right. changes much. Yeah. Um, Lowell passed away in 2003, mm-hmm. but Nancy uh, Swartzell, his wife, took over the program and then um, she handed over in 2008 or nine. Uh, to David Montgomery, who's currently program chair here and uh, uh, program leader, I should probably say. And um, uh, so he's carried on the tradition and uh, each year it's very exciting to see what's happening. And this, I think, this current season is particularly interesting. Um, with uh, three, three very accomplished writers, Carl um, Miller last week, had uh, play, plays on at the National Theatre in London mm-hmm. uh, Lois Lowry, who's a very distinguished novelist uh, for children uh, children's fiction and next week uh, Kevin Wilmot who whose uh, script for Spike Lee's new film has been received tremendous praise mm-hmm. and can so it's a pretty good setup in hearing about your, your teach, like
2: we've focused a lot on the teaching aspect, um, but you are a director and you you also travel quite a bit. Um, and what are some projects that you're really proud of, some artistic projects that you're very proud of?
3: Oh gosh. Um, I, I'm quite proud of something I did uh, a couple of years ago um, for the Winchester Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and it, I, was an, I was commissioned to, re- to look at Shakespeare's poem, Venus and Adonis, and to uh, reshape it into a kind of performance. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was just a lovely thing to do because it's an amazing poem. I, I didn't know it. Um, it was a bestseller in its day. The, the theatres were shut because of the plague or something like that, and um, Shakespeare uh, had to make a living somehow, and uh, to be a poet was more gentlemanly than to be mixed up with a theatre. Mm. If you could write a poem, then you're you know, seen to be a little bit of a cut above. Uh, so he wrote Venus and Adonis, and he asked the Earl of Southampton for permission to dedicated to him and uh, got permission and so he wrote it and published it and it became a bestseller because it's extremely erotic yes. and mm-hmm. <laughs> venus uh, falls in love with adonis who's a young man and really only interested in going hunting with his pals and uh, she kind of jumps on his bones more or less throughout the poem <laughs> and a uh, beautiful language and um but quite quite certainly erotic and suggestive and um and funny because the because poor Adonis he's just desperate to get away (laughs) he can't you know he's and you know if the goddess of love is all over you like a rash you know you you think um my 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 friends are expecting me i need to go (laughs) you know i've just had a text (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so um it was great fun to do and we did it uh, I, i managed to to make it into four voices, uh, Venus and Adonis, obviously, and then two uh, other characters, sort of one on his side, one on hers, and um, we performed it uh, a few times, and it it, w- it went down well, and we had lovely music, and I took some of the text, and mm-hmm. ma- so and they were done separately as songs. Mm. Uh, so that was great fun to do. and. Um, uh, and actually, it was uh, a friend in Columbus who has a little acting company picked it up, and they did it there. And with an African American Venus, which I would have loved oh. to have seen, and um, uh, that was uh, that was fun to do. But um, uh, and then uh, I'm I'm quite proud of the little publishing and production company I set up with my daughter, uh, which um, to date has published uh, Drinking with Dorothy, which we. Performed here at the Players mm-hmm. Theatre I've down the that, road, yes. and um, uh, and it's also been performed in England, uh, which is based on Dorothy Parker's short stories. And uh, and last year was the big Jane Austen festival, so I did two versions of her juvenilia. She wrote this all this amazing stuff. I mean, her six wonderful novels, but she also wrote all this hilarious stuff when she was a teenager. It's quite outrageous. It's full of people are drunk, they're thieving money, they're running away without getting married, they're um, leaving their poor, unfortunate mothers to die of starvation. I mean, it's it's not what you expect mm-hmm. of the gen- genteel, mature Jane Austen, mm-hmm. but very funny. So and those were both performed last year, <coughs> and there are various other ongoing projects like that. But so really, the purpose of Two Time Theatre is is its mission is to Bring um, uh, works from the page to the stage, Mm -hmm. so they've existed already in some form, Mm. which is why it's two times. So second time round, yeah, and and particularly works by women, uh, Mm because I think um, you know things that, uh, well, obviously Dorothy Parker and um, is familiar, but uh, the Jane Austen stuff is nobody much knows about Mm -hmm. it except the scholars. So that was great fun to do and we have other projects in the pipeline. In the
2: pipeline, I love that. But you know, I was just thinking about diversity. (laughs) And so, you know, the fact that your company, Two Time, uh, is focused on women, and and I love the idea of mining works that already exist and bringing them to life. Um, uh, I'm Mm -hmm. an African American person woman um, so I fit a couple of those categories <laughs> yes, you do. Um, and you know we talk about it a, a quite a bit actually on this podcast in various ways uh, New York City is um, you know very it's the largest education system uh, in, the, in the country and it's uh, uh, to that end it is also the most segregated um, and for a variety of reasons that have not always have to do with a zip code so um, I'm just curious in your travels in your work, you either what are you what do you notice saying in terms of uh, you know having made art or worked in uh, education and arts education um, you know over the decades in terms of what is the makeup of the people either delivering the work or how are we attracting people to be you know some of the people working uh, or learning at, at an institution like NYU like what or, or in other places that you may, in terms of universities. Um, you know, just what is, what is the makeup out there? What are you noticing?
3: Well, I, you notice, well, the arts uh, are in danger, I feel, of becoming um, the reserve of the elite or of the privileged or of the middle classes yeah. or, or, you know, or people with money to spare. And that isn't always a diverse community. I mean, Winchester, where I live, is whiter than white, uh, I mean, it's, uh, that's not entirely true, but but it is, uh, it's a bit like stepping back in time, you know, it's a, you just have a university and there is, you know, there is diversity there, but um, in the general population, a few doctors, dentists, that sort of thing, when my family arrives, the ratio <laughs> of uh, ethnicity rises sharply because both my sons are married to, to um uh, from uh, who's uh, or second or indeed third generation from India so mm. um, we make quite a splash when we appear <laughs> so um, uh, and it always when I go to London which yeah. I do frequently I'm <laughs> always sort of a great there's a mix of people here you know mm-hmm. not not quite so um, middle class uh, but uh, and conservative mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you know that sort of thing, but um, I notice one of the things that struck me when I started working in Columbus, which again has uh, um, again depending on the areas, of course, but but uh, the um, university population was just beginning to get, and I'm talking about the late '80s here. It was just beginning to get a bit more diverse, especially at graduate school level, um, and. Uh, that was such, um, it was very important to me, and one of the things that struck me was that in my graduate classes, uh, uh, and that, that the African American teachers seemed to take to this sort of work almost instinctively. Mm. And I did actually say to Anita, my friend, um, how come that you just, you women just find this so easy? Uh, you, you step right in. She said, "Well, we're speaking in two languages mm-hmm. now, as it is, and to use another one mm. is the easiest. She didn't put it quite like that, but mm. she was sort of implying that 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 um, they were already operating in um, kind of multiple roles almost, mm-hmm. or and and so to add another was had had a simplicity about it. Does that make sense to you? Y- yes. Um, there,
2: there is a. A terminology around code switching, um, that's but that's interesting because that's not where I thought you were going. I thought she was going to talk about storytelling. Well, that and too being natural storytelling, uh, storytellers. Um, but there is there is truth know, to what you're talking uh, and, about.
3: And they yeah. uh, they again like the Irish, a kind of oral mm-hmm. an oral uh, um, a race of people who like to talk mm-hmm. and who like to tell stories yes. and who. Who are working uh, with speech as uh, for all sorts of reasons, but the code switching thing too, certainly so, so the storytelling. That, the code
2: switching, the storytelling, and then there's other. There are a couple. There are a couple of theories that I, I'm not going to speak very eloquently about, but I'm going to try to <laughs> talk about them as best I can. So there's the theory of, you know, trauma sort of living through gen- generations, right? So, uh, yes. or, sh- or shock and, yes. and uh, tr- yeah, trauma like being embedded in your DNA almost. So slavery or being taken away from your homeland or the Holocaust, that there is something that p- gets perpetuated down the line of generations. Does, is there a term that you're... Yes.
3: Well, my daughter was telling me about mm, that. Okay. Yeah, that um, actually in relation to the Irish famine, mm. that there is mm. that that um, wound that lasts through generations. Right. Yeah. And
2: then there's an, another theory that is, I've only just recently heard about, and again, I'm not gonna speak eloquently about it, but um, there's a there's a professor named Bettina Love, and I saw her do a keynote speech talking about how um, there is something inherent in uh what is the terminology yeah there's an um uh there's a memory a a sense memory of being a griot um, oh. and um, which is is an it's African the, it's storyteller, it's storyteller. Yeah. and of like rhythm and movement because it's it's traditionally that's how African cultures express themselves yeah. And so even as an American uh, an uh, African American or uh, you know having being descendant of African American or uh, sorry Africans in some way there is this just inherentness mm-hmm. yeah. in our, Uh, Ability to be able to sing and storytell and rap and dance, dance. yeah, dance, (laughs) dance, 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 (laughs) Dance. Dance. (laughs) Um, and and just move well and and rhythmically, because that's just in our DNA. Um, And you know, there's this um, in American history. I believe it was in the late 1700s where, you know, slavery was well, you know, well into. Woven into the the nature of this country, and there was an uprising, and there was a great deal of uh, uh, atrocities in terms of the response. And, par- and part of that response was that drums were taken away, mm-hmm. and you were no longer allowed to speak in your native tongue. Um, and part of that was yeah. to strip us away. Oh as, yeah, that's you know, every, a, a every to oppress, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then. We figured out other ways, like body percussion, and there's just other ways, in, you know, swing low and sweet charity. Yeah. There, there was just other ways of being able to tell the story. Oh, right. And then there's also this thing of of uh, patois, of that you're talking about your master with in front of them, and they don't even yes. know because you're speaking in this, you know, this cut yeah. language.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, anyway, so all that is where I thought you were going. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um but I but think that's that's, it's uh, all tied that's in. in there yeah. it's all tied mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. because you know the Sylvia the woman I was talking about was, was such a wonderful storyteller uh, and indeed Anita and um, and they just brought such richness to the every class they were in and not those alone I mean I had <clears throat> three or four uh, doctoral students and it was just a, such a pleasure to work with them and um just I mean, it, it was uh, lots of learning for me too, what they brought in terms of their responses and their different view of things mm-hmm. and so on, it was just sheer delight. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, th- it's those, uh, those things I miss in a way from not being attached to an institution, mm. you know, you can't, you can't nurture somebody or mentor somebody in the same way. It's much more uh, a sort of... Um, you dip in dish. and you dip <laughs> out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes, uh, like I did the other day here with um, uh, uh, Gina Grandy uh, mm-hmm. has a graduate class, mm-hmm. and she rounded up um, Eliza Zarin from Salksula, and there were 29 uh, middle schoolers mm-hmm. and some parents, and, and uh, we worked for a, a, an hour, uh, and it was just lovely to have some kids to work on. It was frustrating. We didn't have very long, but right. um, uh, just... Yeah. I mean that sorry, that sorry. is that's,
2: that's a good point. You were talking about how you don't teach kids as as frequently, and yeah. I don't get to teach kids yeah. um, in the position that I'm in as, as frequently. Every every once in a while, I get to yeah. I can you know find it in my schedule to actually go out to a school that and day. teach some of our work which is always oh, just, like just so refreshing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. But,
3: then, but you realise that sometimes your skills yeah. decay, you know. Yeah. Or, or my,
2: they've, they've changed. They've changed. What's
3: happened to schools? Yeah, What's well, happened to kids? <laughs> the, so the last
2: time I was in a school, it was a high school, and it was around, if I'm remembering this correctly, that's not true, but the time that I remember, the, it was lat, not this past year, but the yeah. previous year, and I was working in a high school theatre class, um, and it was a very lovely, diverse group of, of young uh, men and women who were seeing a show about Malcolm X. Oh, and um, the pre-show work was um, taking, taking on the response of the playwright, <laughs> who was looking at this man in, in, from multiple points of view, and it, was, it wasn't a straight account, it was sort yeah. of this poetic, yeah. like the spirits are rising oh, and want to, to understand what's happening. Nice and so the um, Betty Shabazz yeah. is, the, is the prosecutor in yeah. this like trial yeah. that yeah. is with this, within the spirit realm yeah. of like what happened to her husband. Anyway, so we're looking at it in these different realms and, and we sort of get them to do some, they get a dossier of all this information, they all get the same image of oh, him, wonderful. but then they have a point of view and they are the family and, and Malcolm is the family man. Or you're the FBI, and he's the he's the threat or the radical, or he's you are the um, nation of Islam, and he's the traitor, uh, right? And, and or and then there's the leader, people who followed him, right? So so yeah, then yeah. they come up with a testimony, um, as that um, uh, from that point of view and share that. And so it was it was really great. So that was really easy for me. It was actually the post show that was a little bit more challenging for me I, meaning i didn't feel like i taught anything <laughs> because we decided to bring malcolm x the man the yeah. real person into the room and so we had a we had cut together a reel of his speeches oh, wow. and we reflected on the show itself which was very good it was by the uh, by the atlantic theater wow. <clears throat> it was very very good so they had a lot to say and they they the big question that they asked was we're not taught about him in school, yeah. why is this? I and mean, we're seniors. Yeah. We're juniors and seniors. What is the deal? Um, so when we brought him, so it ended up just being us talking, basically. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I, I didn't. I kept too. thinking, oh, I would love to like yeah, hot move seat this into seated or move yeah. this into some theatrical realm, and it just became about talking and sort of civic yeah, engagement and what that too. what that means as somebody who's about to graduate or you yeah. know where how valuable is my voice. Yeah. In this day and age and does this mean yeah. is it possible? And of course I was like, Yes, you must. It has to be So that's kind of Join what I me went. at the barricades. <laughs> One day more. Um so so that was the time that I felt like, Oh, you know, I'm being responsive in to what where this group we did have activities planned but we didn't do any of them really because they really just wanted wanted to to talk and it was great but it was it was funny how I just felt like my point of view was different I don't know I don't know what to say I did so much work and 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 Mm. research for that play that I I really feel like I I went deep you're an expert (laughs) and I wasn't I I tried not to just tell them stuff but sort of yeah. Ask but more you felt questions was it
3: and, was it that they didn't know uh, uh, anything about him, or was that many they, of them didn't? Uh, uh, or was it that they didn't feel he was on the right track? No, they or? loved
2: him. Okay. They thought he. They were wishing somebody existed now, who spoke the way yeah. he did, who defended yeah. Black Americans the yeah. way he did, who, who yeah. you know was somebody that they
3: could, could stand they up, could, up and. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell it
2: and I, it I you know it's, it, it's interesting because uh, just as somebody who <laughs> toes the line of activism and doesn't really un- I'm not an organizer in that no. way but I definitely am a communicator yeah. and share information about yeah. you know progressive issues yeah. or issues that I think should be progressive <laughs> um, there seems to be... We're always trying to find the person, (laughs) I -hmm. think, but there seems to be a methodology of let the movement speak for itself as opposed to one person speaking for the movement, Um, which you know that's a school of thought that may or may not be working. I think right now some of that might have shifted a little bit with Parkland students, Emma Gonzalez, David Hogg, they're not necessarily... Representative of everybody, everybody, but there, there's yeah. definitely I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah.
3: It's a strange time it in is. history right now, both here and uh, back in England with the uh, you know breaking away from Europe and that kind of nonsense.
2: Yes. So I visited Edinburgh right after Brexit, Brexit yeah. uh, was decided to... and pri- prior to the election yeah. here. And the, and the two
3: things that nobody could believe th- yeah. uh, had happened, oh, yeah. uh, and they, I mean, Brexit is just sheer madness. They, they just never thought it was going to happen, and they, these complacent Etonian gits, I mean, I don't, it's not me, not, my language turns... <laughs> <laughs> I've <about> I never use that kind of language. I don't ever. even. <laughs> First
2: of all, that was not bad language. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, two for minutes. You. Give me two minutes. Yeah, oh, and okay. Let's go there. <laughs> we are <laughs> definitely allowed to go there. No, no
3: but it's it's uh, it's extraordinary. But um, but you know, in Ireland, for example, there have been very big changes. So they just passed. Uh, they just. Um, changed the amend- the anti-abortion amendment, Yes, That's not true, and we have a, a, a Taoiseach, a prime minister, who is mixed race mm. and gay. I
2: didn't know that. How far <laughs> have some of us come?
3: <laughs> How far Quite away are we going? Yeah, so um, that, and, and some people no. are still kind of trying to come yep, <laughs> to yeah. grips with all that, but that is, you know, such a big, big, big changes, mm-hmm. So uh, um, you don't know what's happening, and uh, the one thing that is screwing up, p- 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 among the many things that's screwing Brexit up, is the Irish border, the border with Northern Ireland. You see, oh. the top bit of Ireland is British. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because they partitioned it okay. when in doubt, the British having everything up. Um, <laughs> They like to divide countries, like yes. India and Pakistan. Right. Millions died. Millions oh, didn't yeah. die in Ireland, but certainly it, um, a few did. And uh, you know, years and years of trouble. Because um, you, you know, um, Cyprus. Mm-hmm. We can't, we can't sort this. So we'll cut you in half, and you can fight it out. <laughs> it's extraordinary. So um, the uh, the Irish border. Uh, the whole business of customs and uh, free trade and all of that. Uh, it's one thing if you're an island. Mm-hmm. It's another thing if you're a bit of somebody else's island and right. where you go backwards and forwards. And I mean, the border goes through people's houses. You know, it's, it's wild. Not <laughs> it's wild. Nobody, nobody knows whether they're in Northern Ireland or not. Right. Uh, and um, they'll have... Uh, and on Twitter, there's... The Irish border has a presence, <laughs> and it's very funny. What, <laughs> what does the Irish border have to say? Oh, he says he's been to bordering school. <laughs> <laughs> very funny. I can't describe it, but, but it just does. You know, really uh, he just said, "I'm still here. That's I'm okay. still here." Oh my goodness! <laughs> so, uh, such nonsense. <sighs>
2: what I never, I didn't ask you because I wasn't sure how what you think about this, but I, uh, this is a good time to ask the question that. Mm-mm. The term teaching artist it gets batted around quite yep. a bit, and and would you consider yourself a teaching artist? Do you feel like you fall
3: under that umbrella? Um, I would like to be. Mm. Uh, I think it's a it's a wonderful term. I think it's a term like poet that has to be earned. You know, you can't just say I'm a poet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, it, it it you have to if you give yourself or somebody gives you that title, you do. You have to be able to deliver the goods. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I I don't really know. That's a good question. I don't know what to describe myself as. Yeah, I
2: mean, you don't have. I I think. I think it is an umbrella term. Yeah. Um, And and so if you you know some some terms uh, are actor teacher or um, uh, you know facilitator or artist citizen yeah. or you know all, yeah. any of those yeah. I think like the I, yeah. all of it sort of is under the guise of yeah. I'm an artist who teaches a teaching artist I
3: think as, as I've gone on I've sort of I now take it for granted that if you do some if you do drama in whatever form whether it's putting on a play whether it's process drama whether mm. it's whatever that teaching is in there because mm. that's that's what it does and, it, and I don't I think I'm really not interested anymore in saying I know, I mean I have the freedom to do that because I don't have to teach curriculum mm-hmm. and so on um, but I, in my own work I'm actually not interested in justifying it I could do, uh, justifying it through um, um, its educational uh, worth mm. because I know it has that mm-hmm. uh, but I, I prefer to l- let myself a little bit free of that and just think, what interesting work can I do? Yeah. And if it is interesting, then it'll be teaching, mm-hmm. um, which is why in Drama Worlds, I, didn't, um, I don't talk about curriculum applications of any of the structures in there. Uh, I'm just trying to explicate the process. Um, and it's interesting that 20 years after the book was published, it's now being translated into Chinese and Korean. Oh. So uh, they really catch up fast, those guys.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you know, Shoba, you know, Shoba, yes, yeah. she, um, she was working with, um, do you know Sujong? No, um, I don't oh, think so. Oh, Sujong, what is your last name? Um, anyway, Sujong, um, it, she lives in South Korea. She has her degree from here and she also yeah. worked with Jonathan Neelands and got a right. PhD yeah. and then opened up an English school for, right. for preschoolers. And so she's teaching English to three-year-olds, three, four-year-olds, and, um, and maybe older, I'm yeah. not sure. And Shoba came, went there um, uh, to do uh, you know, work for, I think, a few weeks uh, mm. with the kids and, yeah. and, and in a university looking at exactly this, yes. how to use theater a as lot a way of of teaching interest in South Korea. In English in, uh,
3: um, I went there, oh gosh, years ago, more than ten years ago, mm-hmm and uh, the students are wonderful, they're so eager. There's the uh, National University for the Arts was where I was working, but Tony Graham, who was directing last week, mm-hmm. um, spends, uh, he, he goes there two, se- several times a year, it seems to me, and um, he directs plays over there and so on. But uh, they really are eager for drama, and um, uh, so I was pleased that, uh, that uh, it was going ahead in Korea, but. Um, uh, complex Chinese is another matter, <laughs> uh, but there again, I mean, s- several of, uh, you know, the people from uh, the NYU faculty have been, uh, you know, uh, Nan Smidner has been there, and, you know, they, they really seem to be hungry yeah. for yeah, this new I way of teaching.
2: Yeah, the government yeah. Uh, is supporting this. Um, my colleague, Lindsay, or Molly Akel, uh, was was commissioned to go work for cases. I don't understand. Yeah. It's an acronym, K A C E S. Cases um, to focus on how do you work with families oh, using right. theater and engaging <laughs> families yeah. and family, um, um, you know, learning yeah. through theater. Um, and she, I think, she was there for about two weeks. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that there's there's that's very exciting about. Yeah. Um, just working on this international level. Um, so we are. <laughs> Thank you for the, the five minute call there. It's time. Um, we are winding down. I have a bajillion more questions yeah, sure. before us. So I know that's not a reward. We'll, we'll but do it another time. I would love that. Um, so, final question. Yeah. Uh, let me pick it wisely. Um, what. I'm going to tie two questions together if that's OK. okay. Uh, w- what is your approach when either directing or teaching? Like, what are, what are you thinking about in preparation? Yeah. And
3: where are you going next? What's What's next for Cecily? Okay. Well, the first one is uh, is easy because I think it's the same thing. I want to create a world, and in theater you have the script, uh, <clears throat> you have the actors, and you know in a way the outcome. So, uh, I. Directed Hedda Gabler, for example, and you know I knew th- I knew the sh- the shape of the journey, uh, but then the actors help you on that, and you hope it comes out the way you want, uh, and without you killing them on the way, <laughs> which can happen. Um, and uh, my most recent, I directed um, uh, Juno and the Peacock, which was uh, again uh, it mattered a lot to me, and it was the <coughs> anniversary of the. Um, Uh, Easter Rising in Dublin and Mm. so on. So that was uh, was, uh, a good choice for me for all sorts of reasons. Mm. And uh, I think we did the best job we could with it. Nothing's ever perfect. That's a problem in life Mm. (laughs) as in art. And the same thing in process drama. I'm trying to create a world, lead people into the world, and have them develop it along with me. Mm. Um, What's next? Uh, What's next is a, a project again with the Winchester Festival in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, in which uh, I'm the producer and dramaturg, um, uh, which is about the early history of the guy who was one of the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh. and he was based as a young serviceman uh, near Winchester, went to the cathedral, had a kind of spiritual epiphany, and um, so it's kind of his life a little bit. Or it, it's got an awkward timeline because he didn't found AA till 1939, and you know it's. It's, it's, hard. it's been hard for the writer to um, not to just drown in exposition. And uh, then the other things, my daughter is doing um, a presentation over the play um, about Sir Walter Raleigh in the Great Hall in Winchester where he was tried and condemned to death, and uh, sent to the tower, released, came to Virginia got the potatoes and the tobacco, went back home, and they executed him. <laughs> so, that 16 years later. Wow. So, she's doing that in the Great Hall, There's a, it's a kind of um, heritage open day where people can come for free to all these, it's all over the country, mm-hmm. to all the I think there's something similar in New York where uh, historic properties are yeah. open in a way they aren't mm-hmm. usually. Uh, those two, and then I uh, uh, to uh, make uh, a play out of um, the testimonies and writings and letters of uh, prisoners in, <coughs> in a, a local prison that no longer exists uh, between about uh, 1780 and 1850. Um, and when there were oddly enough attempts to educate the prisoners, teach them to read, whip them quite a bit, <laughs> send them to Australia, various other things, mm. um, But uh, I, and I've only just begun on the research for that. So, But all the documents are there in our local, wonderful local archive, mm. So and that's very local, that's for the end of October, so I, I refuse to think beyond that. <laughs>
2: okay, so hey, I understand that. <laughs> <So>
3: <laughs> that's quite a bit. That's quite a bit. Yes. Um, but on the other hand, uh, it's important to have something to... Keep you going,
2: yeah. Cecily. This has been an absolute delight. Well,
3: wonderful questions. Oh, thank and you. I feel we leave only scrape the surface, I was just about, about to say
2: the same. We mm. will. We should certainly do this again. Unfortunately, I think it'll be a, a year before we <laughs> Probably. do it again. But you never know. But I uh, could find myself actually. in the same place where you travel to. Yeah, you could come come to England. Oh, that'd be yeah. fun, actually. Yeah, I I could figure reason. that out. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, hope that you enjoyed this is good. It's going to take a while before it actually gets published. So we have, That's we fine. have some time, <laughs> um, but again, thank you so much.
3: Thank you for inviting me. It's been such fun just to catch up with yeah, you all Always, days.
2: always a fun, fun time. Thank you, Courtney. Uh, thank you, Cecily.
0: Thank you for listening to episode 15, act two of teaching artistry with Courtney J. Body, Cecily O'Neill, the process of drama. Join us next time for a conversation with Thomas Cabinus. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Boddy is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. Brandon Hutchinson is the media arts coordinator. Njiri Johnson-Smalls is the communications intern. John O. Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry, and now on Instagram at teachingartistrywithCJB. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life.